Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Let's head inside. Robbie Bosco, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Little Rock Touchdown Club. Thank you to Arkansas Urology. This is your first time, well, first time to Little Rock. First time in Little Rock. You have, a, you have a daughter up in Bentonville. I do. And they all know the hog call and everything. So they're all turning fans. They're all turning to Arkansas fans. So you've never done a hog call? Never. Have you, 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 went, you actually Googled it. I Googled it, but I want to see it live. Okay, listen. We, we, we got, listen, I told him, I said, listen. I'll join you. I know we're all sort of down in the dumps. We're all sort of, you know, we're all feeling mighty low. We got to show this man what a hog call is. Let's see everybody stand up. Here we go. This is how we do it. Come on, Robbie. Just follow with our hands. Here we go. Let's do it. Ooh. Hey, Suey. Three times. You're just getting started. Hey, Suey. One more time. Razorbacks, how about that? I love it. Yes. Ah, great job, Cloud. That was outstanding. I wondered if you'd be able to get the energy to do it. I hope our team follows your lead today. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the reasons I want to get you here, you're, I mean, you're the only guy to lead BYU to a national championship and uh, back in 1984, and Arkansas has never played BYU. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and I was just going to, you know, one of the things I was going to ask is, you know, when you think of the Arkansas Razorbacks, what comes to mind as a guy who grew up in California and went to BYU? Yeah, wow, and this is exciting. We've played a few SEC teams, but we've never played Arkansas, and I know they come, we come out here in, I think, a couple of years. And so when I think of Arkansas as a football team, I think of their massive offensive line and then the speed they've had at running back and the talent that they have. And so... We've got to be ready to go, or this could be a long game for the Cougs. For those that don't know, uh, BYU has been an independent now, I think, for 12 straight years. But going into the Big 12 uh, is, I guess, and BYU's excited about that opportunity. Yeah, for sure. You know, we've been in a, we've been in conferences before. Then we decided to go to the Big tw- uh, to be an independent, and we've been in there for like 12 years, and it's been it's been super hard. We've been playing a lot of good teams, playing on national television, but not having the opportunity to play for a conference championship has kind of hurt because every time we lose a game, it's like, oh, now what do we now what do we root for and things like that. So now going into the Big 12 and playing the talented teams that are in the Big 12, we are super looking forward to that. We know it's going to be a super challenge. It may take us four or five years to get up to that level of play, playing these kind of teams game week in and week out. But we're ready to go. And if we can get guys like this, yeah, we'll be really ready to go. So come to Provo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, um, I'll give extra credit because I know there'll be several people in this room that will get it immediately. So uh, so like doing trivia in the morning, Raj. Uh, if I were to ask, when Robbie played in 1981 to 1985 for BYU, what was the conference he was in? Whack is correct. Whack is correct. And it was the Mountain West after that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, I did want to ask, too, for those who don't know, that, uh, so let's show your coach. It's uh, Kalani, uh, Kalani Sataki. And uh, he, is, uh, he is Tongan. He was bar- born in uh, Tonga. And uh, just give us some thoughts about him as a head coach. Well, Kalani's a, Kalani was a fullback when I was coaching at BYU. So I've known Kalani for a lot of years. And he is a super good human being. 
the kids love playing for him. He's a hard-nosed coach. He actually, when he started coaching, he went to the University of Utah and was coaching, which is our rival. And then we swayed him to come to BYU, and we are so lucky to have him, and uh, he's done a great job for us. First Tongan head coach anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah, and I know he doesn't want to dwell on that, but pretty significant. I was telling our radio listeners today, uh, Tonga is a group of islands, you know, near Fiji, and uh, there have been some great football players come out of there. And, you know, when he started off, he he had a couple years where it was sort of tough sledding. Comes back, and I think he goes 11-1 and 10-3 and in 2020 and 2021. Signed up a big-time extension. So, you know, you think about it, you know, BYU has only had, I think, four coaches in 50 years. Yeah. And so, they're obviously, they're, everybody's putting all chips on him. Yeah, I mean, times are changing. Even Lavelle Edwards signed yearly contracts. And this is one of the all-time greatest coaches ever to coach. And so, when Kalani got this extension, it, it's just, you knew times were changing. And he certainly does deserve it, and we look forward to keeping him around for a lot of years. And so uh, this year you guys, uh, four and two, you've lost to Oregon and Notre Dame. Obviously just lost to Notre Dame. Did you guys hear about that one? It was, uh, it was uh, I don't know what you would call it, but you're, you got the Catholics and the Mormons playing in Las Vegas <laughs> together. So interesting dynamic. At yeah. I don't know where, who came up with that idea. But um, are, you, are you guys at four and two sort of disappointed where you are at this point? With Did you expect maybe to get one of those? One of those two is a win or no? Well, I, I think you're always disappointed when you don't win all your games. And I think the uh, the Oregon game, they were – I think people thought that was not going to be an easy game, but they lost to a very good Ohio State team early in the year. And they actually moved the ball. So that made us nervous. Those that kind of know football thought, oh, this could be a tough game. And they came after us, and that was a tough one. But the Notre Dame game – uh, we got off to a slow start, knowing the history of BYU. I think we threw for 20 yards in the first half, which is nobody even has heard of that. One of the stats, though, when BYU is held under 21 points, we've lost 20 consecutive games. So that's something to get ready for if your defense is ready for that challenge. Right. Well, you guys did beat uh, in double overtime. You beat a very good Baylor team. So that was obviously that was a big win for you. Yeah, we did. Baylor was a tough game. They took it to us the year before. So that was a huge win for us. So we're looking forward to this game. And regardless of Arkansas's record, this will be a huge victory for us and a big staple in our pocket. And one of the things, one of the stat, stats that I look at that is positive for the Razorbacks one of the weaknesses for BYU is you guys don't play the run quite as well. I think you're ranked 100th out of 131, stopping the run. That's one thing Arkansas does well. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be definitely the, the the point of the game where I think we'll make a difference. Our front seven being able to stop the run, we did a pretty good job against Notre Dame, but we're definitely going to be having to be on our toes. And I heard that the quarterback is back. KJ's going to be back. We've all heard that, so that's a positive. We don't need KJ to play. <laughs> We're glad about that. We yes. don't play against 250-pound quarterbacks <laughs> that's in true. Utah too often. That, that is true. That, that can is run true. the ball, so that's going to be a tough one. I was going to mention I failed to do a picture. I just ran out of time. But uh, Caden Halls, uh, some of you may know, Caden Halls went to Pulaski Academy. I know you do, Elizabeth. Uh, and he was uh, he won the Willie Rofe Award. One of our awards is, that, what, the top offensive lineman in the state. But he goes out, and he's, he's I think he's a senior this year, and he's a 300-pound nose guard uh, and playing well for you guys. Yeah, so he came out. 
to Utah as an offensive lineman. Then they switched him over to D-line and bulked him up a little bit more. And uh, he's had a nice little career there and done a good job. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be fired up to, uh, to play in this game. Now, I've never been out there. How many have been to a game at BYU? Has anybody been to a game? A few of you guys back there in the back. So, so let's. Uh, I want everybody to shoot. I want you. Uh, this is a picture of the stadium. One of two. Look at that. How impressive is that? Uh, and then the, look at that right there. How about that? So I heard though that a lot of BYU fans were really irritated that the game was was set for two thirty because the night tradition at BYU is really big. Is that accurate? Yeah. So we play. Actually, doing a favor for Arkansas <laughs> because typically we play because of ESPN. We play at eight fifteen at night which would mean the football team would get back here about 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so we moved that baby up to about 1.30 our time. And uh, the, the, the atmosphere at night, we love playing at nighttime. And um, we don't do anything on Sundays, so we have to mow the yard on Saturday mornings <laughs> to get ready for the game. So these 1.30 games really put a damper on us mowing the yards and stuff like that. But uh, the night times are awesome. So, but it's going to be a great, great game and great atmosphere. Uh, the uh, the name the, the name of the stadium is Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That was your coach. Uh, I'm really honored to say that got a chance to work with him on the. He was on the Brawls Award committee. We've had several of our Brawls Award winners and finalists come out of BYU. But uh, he was your coach. Obviously, died in 2016, and um, just really a, a neat guy. And I'm sure meant a lot to you. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he. He was kind of a father figure to all of us players, especially those that came from out of state. And uh, the opportunity I had to play for him and coach 14 years with him, we did a lot of fun things together. We've been on cruises together. We've golfed together. And he's just a tremendous individual. You will not meet a finer individual in your life than Lavelle Edwards. I was reading a stat. In the 29 years that Lavelle Edwards coached at BYU, the Tigers led the nation in passing eight times and finished in the top five 17 times. So, obviously, that's where, obviously, BYU tradition of passing came under Lavelle Edwards. And uh, uh, he, he's the legend. He's sort of the Frank Brules, would you say, uh, of BYU. Is that, would that be accurate? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when you list all the great coaches in the past, he's definitely in one of those guys. And um, he's got so much respect. I remember he went back. I flew back with him to uh, Texas to get the um, Bear Bryant Award. And, you know, in Utah, people see Lavelle and they wave to him and everything like that. But when we went back to Texas, outside of the state, it was as if the Beatles were in town. I mean, they just swarmed him, lined up to get pictures, lined up to touch him, to shake his hand. And I just... It kind of even shocked me and threw me back of how great an individual and coach that he was. Uh, you and I played at the exact same time. And uh, so I want to go back. I want to show this first picture. This is you. So I, want to, I just want to take, just take a quick look at this. This is 19, probably this is 84 or 85. Can you tell which one it is between the two? That's 84 against San okay, Diego State. Okay, so I want, to, I want to zoom in on a couple different things of this, uh, <laughs> of this picture. So first one. So first of all, I love grass stains. Uh, how nice is it back in the day that we would play on grass and you would get the, you know, the feel of that? I guess they've had a feel, grass feel, your entire playing time and since then? Yeah, the funny thing here is teams used to complain because look at the grass. See how it's a little taller? Yeah. They used to complain because we would grow the grass taller and slow the other team down. <laughs> I'm like, well, it'll slow us down too. 
But now that turf is just like slick as a whistle. The next shot is uh, the old school. Look at the what we call a flak jacket. That's a rib protector. Look at the size of that thing. I mean, somebody could take a – I think that's where they used to test it. They would take a baseball bat. And look how that's thick right. that thing was. But obviously you'd had some rib issues in 84 in, that, in the national championship game. And also notice on the ball you have QB. So I noticed that you had your special ball back there that you always wanted to make sure you had. Yeah, two things. Back with the flak jacket, I was born with one kidney. So I needed some protection, and that thing protected me right there. And then the QB balls, I did not want to be throwing a kicking ball. So they would mark the balls down, and then we could go as quarterbacks, and I could pick out my six favorite balls that felt the best in my hand, and we made sure those balls were the ones I played with. Uh, and the last year, this is some schools still do this. The old sticker of the helmet. Look at that. Look at. There's no room on that helmet. Uh, and so, uh, how did you get? What was some of the thing? What were some of the things you got? You did had to do to get those stickers. Well, if we threw four over, 300 yards passing, so we got one almost every game for that. We got one for the wins. We got one for 500 yards total offense. We got one for every game on that, and. You know, they just want my helmet to look good, so they say, gave me a few other extra ones. Did you go off? Did you get? Did you run out of room at some point? I then I put them in between, so I kind of <laughs> stacked them on top of each other. I think that we did that in high school. I still think that's sort of cool. Now you you were born and raised in California, uh, and you grew up watching uh, uh, Jim McMahon and Mark Wilson at BYU, uh, and you thought about going there, but there was a guy named Sean Salisbury. I don't know if you guys remember him, a great quarterback, and he was looking at USC and. The BYQ coach was really after you, and you got a great story about what he what he did to try to convince you at, at your high school. So back then, the coaches could come to your high school, and and it was signing day, so you had to sign on the first Wednesday in February. So up to that month, he was there for the whole week waiting for me to make a decision, and I told him I'm not going to decide until Sean Salisbury decides. Sean Salisbury was a Mormon, and I wasn't a Mormon. And so I'm thinking, if we both go to BYU, they're going to pick the Mormon. <laughs> I don't care how good I am, they're going to pick the Mormon. So I'm like, I'm going to wait. And so I'm in math class. I can remember my, my teacher's name was Mr. Pellegrino, and our, our rooms had an open glass. And Tom Ramage, who was the BYU uh, defensive line coach, he was the ones that recruited me, he was pacing back and forth. I mean, he, did a for, he was doing it for 45 minutes until I was making a decision. And then all of a sudden, there's a knock on the window, and I look over, he's waving over at me. And I look this at, is it? Wild class is going this on? Is wild class is going on. Teacher goes, yeah, because they knew what was going on, too, at the signing date and everything. So he said, yeah, go ahead and go. And so I went out there, and he couldn't get it out quick enough. He says, he says, um, Salisbury. Salisbury. Can't remember that guy's name. He says, Salisbury decided to go to USC. And then I said, okay, I'm coming to BYU. So I went into the football coach's office, called my dad, told him I was going to BYU, and they were excited about that. And. The rest is history. Well, you know, we a uh, great story. I love that. I can see the coach. Back in those days, that's what you used to do. You yeah. camp out. and uh, So you're in Southern Baptist uh, territory down here. And um, so I, I, mean, I think a lot of us in here don't really know a lot about how uh, the Mormon religion and BYU and playing football works. And so one of the things I, I thought it would be interesting is, is to tell our, our, our club here, 
Do you have to be a Mormon to, to go play football at BYU? If you do go to BYU, do you have to take the two-year missionary trip and all those things? And then the surprising thing is what you told me last night, the number of percentage that you, that you would guesstimate of the players that are Mormons that are on the team. Yeah. So back when I played, oh, first of all, I'll answer a couple of the other questions. You do not have to be a Mormon to go to BYU. You do not have to go on a two-year mission. They encourage you to, but even if you're part of the LDS religion, you don't have to go on a mission as well. Back when I played, we probably had, I would say, 60-40 LDS versus not LDS. And on the team this year, I would say it's closer to probably 75-25 that are LDS versus not. That is a, that, are you all surprised by that? I don't know why I'm surprised by that. I think probably one of the reasons, Robbie, is because is you're, you're trying to find the best football players you can find and, you know, didn't know there were large pockets of great Mormon football players. You yeah. know, you told me that there's certain areas where you normally recruit. But, so that's why that's sort of a su surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, we, go to, we recruit in California a lot. We recruit in Texas a lot. I think if you looked around the state of Arkansas and really dug deep, you would find amazing pockets of LDS people. I know up where my daughter lives out in Bentonville, there's a ton of LDS people, and I'm sure here in Little Rock there are a ton. So they're all over the place. Yeah, and so of the 75%, how many would you guesstimate uh, that would take the two-year mission? Because, because think about this. Then you've got to manage, you know, that was one of the things I was reading about, managing the roster. Of, yeah. You know, who's staying, what, when are they coming back? You've got an older group. You know, so that's a challenge. So the mission thing has been very interesting. So when we are really good and we have a good record, the announcers, all they talk about is, is such an advantage. People go on a two-year mission, and they're much older. I'm like, but when they go on a mission, they're not lifting weights. They're not working. That. They can work out a little bit for exercise. So typically when they come home off of mission, they probably have a parasite. They probably have lost 50 pounds. And they pull every hamstring in your leg when they do sprints. So they're in horrible shape. But when we're not very good, that's never a topic of concern. They're all like, ah, whatever. There must be too old to play or something like that. But uh, um, Coach... Um Sataki is a practicing Mormon as well. He right? Yeah, he is. And I think he did he take his two year. His he work? did. He did. That's what I he thought. Well, so let's go. Let's go to the national championship year. You played behind Steve Young was in finished in '83. So you got the chance to start in '84. You guys may remember uh, you could go you go undefeated. The first I think the the only ranked team you played you, you start off you beat Pitt in in week one and you go you run the table and then you get Michigan who was six and six I believe at the time yeah. in the Holiday Bowl. I didn't I didn't tell you but you know what you're not having in common. What's that? You might want to say I said he, he played the 1984 uh, Holiday Bowl. You might want to take a shot. What I have in common with him? Uh, no, close. I played it. I finished my career in the 1985 Holiday Bowl. Oh, so I, I did. Nice. I played against Arizona State the following year. So you guys get there. Did you feel like you were not respected because there was some chatter? You know, you haven't played enough ranked teams and you hadn't played enough. Or did you know that? Listen, we don't care if it's a six and six Michigan team. We got to beat these guys and win it. Yeah. So one thing that nobody knows is the two teams that were griping the most were Oklahoma and Washington. They were ranked, I think, two and three. The Holiday Bowl and us at BYU, we tried to get that matchup. We wanted to play the number two ranked team in the country. 
to prove who was the best team, and they would not play us. They didn't want to play us. And so we ended up playing with Michigan. Um, if you go back to Michigan's season, I think Michigan started off really good. They, I think they even beat uh, Miami, who was really good back then, early in, early in the season. Then they had some injuries and stuff like that. But, um, but we didn't care. We really didn't care. We felt, you know, we felt disrespected, but we used that as our advantage. We kind of played the, get played the whole season as us against everyone else, which kind of motivated us to want to be good. The thing that, the other thing people don't realize is we had on that team, we had, I think, six guys get drafted, which is unheard of at BYU. And we had 11 guys play in the NFL and about five or six play for double-digit years in the NFL. So we had a really good team, and we were proud of our team. So you were obviously leading the nation in passing. You were, you were tearing it up. I mean, so you get in the game, and it sounds like it reminds me of me in, in the Liberty Bowl. In the first quarter, you have a guy roll up on your leg, and uh, Matt, if you'll show the picture, uh, the next picture, there you are. So you get to the national championship game. You feel your ankles messed up. You 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 partially torn your medial collateral ligament. You got an ankle sprain, and I think you got a bruise to the rib. So there you are on the ground. What are you thinking at that point? I'm screwed. Because <laughs> I tried when I first got injured. I tried to stand up, and I could not put any weight on my my ankle or my knee. And so I just went back down. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is the biggest game of BYU in the history of BYU. There may never be another chance of having an opportunity to be number one team in the country. And so I went down, they they carted me off and they took me into the locker room. So you go off you go off the field for how long? Like five minutes, ten minutes? I probably minutes. missed I probably missed about I I'd say I missed about ten plays. And I love that what happened. So they evaluated you, they said we, we think we can take tape you up, get you back. And I thought this was a really cool story about your dad. Yeah, so if anybody's ever been to the old Jack Murphy Stadium, you go up about a 30-yard walkway, and then you make it a little right, and there's a locker room back there. And so once they taped me up and everything, and I was, uh, I was walking down to go to get back on the field, my dad came from out of the stands. And my dad's not really a guy that is going to be like a helicopter parent and be right there. But he was in the tunnel waiting for me, seeing how I was doing. So that gave me a, that gave me a great um, great feeling in my body that my dad's there and he's rooting me on. And that's really all I cared about is this my family being there and being very supportive. So that was a very positive influence for me. And then when you stepped in the huddle, you, when you came out of the tunnel, you looked around and the people saw you coming back out and the crowd went crazy. It was a predominantly BYU crowd. Yeah, it was a huge, we travel so good. I mean, even last week at Notre Dame, they had like, it seemed like three-fourths of the stadium. But I think our guys must have bought tickets because we had about half that thing filled up. So it was, it was, it felt like, um, as I came out, out of the uh, tunnel, it felt like the whole stands were just like staring down there waiting for me to come out. And then when I stepped out on the field, it was just a huge roar, which my adrenaline was just like, I felt so good. And then when I went over to work out or to, to work, warm my arm up again, 
I did some drops, and I'm like, I don't think I can play. I don't know if I can step on my, my ankle anymore. And then, uh, so so your quarterback's coach was somebody you, you may have heard of. Mike Holmgren. Mike Holmgren. Was his, and so Mike said, you're not going in, and you go, yes, I am. Yeah, so I actually, when I didn't think I could go back and play, I told the trainer, I go, I don't know if I, can, I can't put any pressure on my leg. And so he retaped it and put it in tighter and tighter and tighter. And then I went over to Coach Holmgren. I actually stood by him so he could put me in. He goes, he goes, no, you're not going to play. I'm going, yes, I am. And I just went out there. So I went out there, told the quarterback, you're out. And we, and we finished the game off. I was not missing this game. And you said the, uh, your players, when you got in that huddle, they saw your determination and you knew, hey, I'm back. We're, we're, we're going to get this thing done. Yeah, I mean, you could, I could just sense it in their eyes. I mean, we have been together all year. Everybody on that offense and defense played hurt. Back then, now if you get injured, there's a lot more precaution, and you pretty much aren't going to play the rest of the game. But back then, if you could play, you were playing. And that's what happened, and it was fun. And uh, I love this this next picture, Matt. Uh, this sort of says it all. So you go through that. Nothing beats doing that, holding up number one. Uh, a national championship, and, 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 and listen, it's sort of like the 64 national championship for Arkansas. This is this is the year they talk about if you're a BYU fan. Yeah, I mean, there there's no I'm, – I'm telling you, if we would not have been voted number one, it really wouldn't have mattered to us. We felt in our hearts – we did everything that we could. And that's what Lavelle kept preaching to us. Don't worry about what the media says. Don't worry about what people are saying. You guys know who you are. You guys go out there and do the best you can and take care of what you can take care of, and the rest will take care of itself. Got to talk about the Heisman voting. So at 84, you are the All-American. You're leading the country in passing. And uh, somehow, put up the next, uh, uh, somehow this guy on the left completes a long bomb against Miami uh, and somehow beats you in that 1984. I know. Can you believe that? I mean, how many quarterbacks have won a national championship, led the country in passing, total offense, and don't win the Heisman? Yeah. Give me that Heisman back. Let's go. <laughs> he, had a, he had a great career, though. Doug Flutie had a great career, and he, he probably deserved it. Uh, Bo Jackson, the next year, now, the fourth game of the year the next year, you hurt your shoulder, but you continued to play, even though but not many people realize how bad it was. Yeah, so against the fourth game, we're playing back in Philadelphia against Temple. And I'm throwing a comeback to my left, and I get hit in the shoulder, a helmet right in my shoulder. The ball goes flying and everything, and we have to punt. I'm going on the sidelines. I'm like, I can't feel my arm. My arm's numb, so you got to get me back in the game. We got We just punted. And then what happens when we punt? They return it for a touchdown. So I'm like, you got to hurry. Get it back. So finally got some feeling back. I went out and finished the game. We won that game. And then I was told I had tendonitis. And so I think, you know, I can play through tendonitis. You know, I know it's going to hurt. But then all season I couldn't practice very much. I couldn't warm up before the games. And then later on, not until I got with the Packers, and I went down to see Frank Job down in L.A., who was a world-renowned shoulder specialist, he tells me that, your shoulder has been coming out of socket every time you've been throwing the ball. So I played 11 games with my shoulder subluxing, 
And um, so I'd play in a game, go get a cortisone shot, come back and try to play, and did it for about 11 games. And many people have said that uh, that impacted you and your draft status, your third-round draft choice for Green Bay, but, but you probably would have played 10 to 15 years in the league based on all the other great BYU quarterbacks, but the shoulder would not allow that. Would that is that a, a accurate that's, assessment? That's very accurate. I think um, going into my senior year, I was favored to win the Heisman. I was projected to be a first-round draft pick, and my shoulder just couldn't handle it. I want to ask you about uh, number 15, Matt, if you could. This guy was one of the most well-known BYU quarterbacks, but in my mind, I don't think of him as, <laughs> as uh, is like BYU type. Now, was, is, was Jim McMahon a Mormon? Was he a practicing Mormon? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, uh, I can remember he lit it up. He was, again, All-American. Of course, he's obviously in the, the College Football Hall of Fame. What do you remember as a kid watching him? Well, I mean, like when he was a uh, – when I was a freshman, that was his senior year. But my senior year in high school, this was his junior year at BYU, and he broke like 80-some-odd records and was thrown for all these yards and I've been so excited to have the opportunity to go to BYU to be able to do something like Jim did and throw for all those yards. And then uh, number 14, Matt, uh, the, the other guy, again, here's another great BYU quarterback, Steve Young. Yeah, we came in, Steve's a year older than me, and yes, I think he does color his hair. <laughs> we, he's a year older than me, he should be looking like this. <laughs> but anyways, he's done a great job. We were, we're very good friends. We did a lot of great things together in college, and uh, I learned a lot from him, not only as a quarterback, but how he was with the media. I was a very uh, shy individual, didn't like to be in front of the camera, didn't like to do interviews or anything like that, and so he would practice and work with me and help me, and I kind of watched him, how he handled the press, and uh, so I owe Steve a lot.